0: joining us today folks i'm your host noah williams and i'm christian williams and today we've got just a brief episode for you before we roll out of this hotel room and jump on a plane back to texas but just wanted to briefly recap all of the really positive outcomes and interactions that we've had here at the usa cycling coaching summit in 2023 the first one that's been had since covid um, i want to say in the last four years or so overall um, they don't always do these every year. There's aspects of them that they do. There's aspects of them that they do that they don't. Right. This was an uh, all combined aspect, right? So Those there was three a, full days. There was a coaching summit, but there was also uh,
1: coaching certification uh, clinics. Correct. So when you when you <clears throat> when you shoot to become a cycling coach or a licensed cycling coach, rather, uh, USA Cycling has a
0: it's supposed to be education and development for
1: coaches, right? So, so like there's a category system um, for mountain biking, for road, for what have you. They have the same for uh, coaches, and your entry level is level three, and then your more your next level is level two, and then the ultimate level is level one. And they only offer that level one clinic that has a test and everything that, that goes with it, and that's every two years. And in fact, it's and it, it's it's quite expensive. Uh, so you, the people there are, are committed. So there's two things going on. The bigger thing, and probably the more important to uh, uh, your 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 general USA cycling license holder, is the coaching summit where all co- all coaches.
0: It was well, a, it's a state of the union effectively. Right,
1: right, but and it's also it was in Stan where we're going and that kind of thing. And, and this year they also had it virtually. Um, I'm not sure how many people were attending it virtually. uh, I'm not sure. Because we were in person. Uh, We were taking advantage of the being in person also to, because there were some meetings that we needed to
0: have in person that that we, I I didn't want to do by email anymore. Right. Yeah. It was, it was really time for them to be in person, especially after um, we, we got through the Olympics and then COVID happened and everything's been kind of, uh, Wound down and quiet for a while. There's actually been a lot of restructuring going on behind the scenes at USAC. We're gonna dive into that just a little bit. Yeah, I, I haven't been to the Springs in five or six years. It's been a minute. Um so let's just uh let's just take them through in chronological order. The we got here and uh so the hotel where we're staying is a two-mile walk to USA Cycling Headquarters. It's been quite chilly. It's been lovely to walk before it's, and after. Yeah,
1: and, and when we say chilly, and I and I realize that people that don't it's chilly to us it's chilly to us but it was in, it was 30 in the mornings when we were walking for right. the for the first couple days two days and then, and it, then was it was 15, 15 20, 20. Yeah. Uh, the second the second two days and and here and here's the thing um when you live in Texas there are places in Texas where it gets cold cold it's just not where i live the other side yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally though in fact uh, when when we had that february freeze uh i guess it was last year yeah last year uh it was like the first time that it had frozen where I live in, in
0: 15 20 years or
1: something like <laughs> that's that. Wild
0: um, well, yeah, and then we got some snow here while we've been here, so that's good. Check that box. I don't think they call it snow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It looked like snow. It, it was. I mean, there were flakes. And... There's still some white stuff on the ground. Yeah,
1: I don't know yeah. what they're referring to. <laughs> like the Eskimos that have twenty-seven. Yeah, different they were words making fun. Of, they were making fun of us all bundled up, and they were. But we did. We, we were the only ones
0: that walked, though. Yeah,
1: we. I mean, we were walking. Some people rode. Good
0: for them, but. This is a very short ride compared to a 40-minute walk. We got in about five miles of walking a day. Enough about walking, though. We got there. We walked over on the morning one, and there's a little cafe next to USA Cycling Headquarters is usually where we had breakfast, but we were hanging out out there, and the very first person we ran into waiting for the cafe to open was actually... Uh, Ryan Kohler, we've never met Ryan before, but if you don't know who Ryan Kohler is, he, uh, is one of the direct, like op- operators, I guess. I don't know if he's an owner I don't know his ex- exact how. He's a, yeah, he, yeah, he he's, he's a, one of the big wigs at Fast Talk <clears throat>
1: Laboratories. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a physiologist. Yeah. And he's part of the Fast Talk program, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. I'm not, not sure exactly how to frame I mean,
0: that, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, he was... Maybe they don't either. So uh, the point is that we got to to chat him up a little bit. Really nice guy. Definitely with it. Definitely seems to have his act together in terms of uh, the ex-fiz stuff. Not totally surprising that he's in the position that he's in. Um, But we got to hang out with him a little bit beforehand. And that was really cool, especially since uh, we're also interested in getting into the coaching education space. And this is something that he's doing a little more often. And we got to actually see... Uh, some of what he's doing throughout the course of of the summit. Yeah, when you say the coaching education, I mean, I don't, I,
1: I know what you mean, but we're while we're our business is coaching, coaching. and training athletes. We're, we're we are
0: playing around with the idea of pivoting into creating educational content and business development resources for other cycling coaches like us. We've been doing
1: this for 23 years full time and no spouse supporting me type thing. So we have uh, we have a, 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 the experience to say things that didn't work for us and that kind of thing. So one of the one of the reasons that we're both here right now is that we wanted to
0: start uh, embracing that space. Absolutely. And, you know, for longtime listeners of the second echelon and people who, who know us personally, we've had uh, a fair amount of strife. With USA Cycling in the past and given the shift that's going on behind the scenes now is a big part of the reason why we needed to come up here for this visit. Right, that, that whole saying is, if you know, don't
1: bitch if you don't vote. And so we're not going to complain about the coaching, pro- not the coaching process, but the licensure, licensure and certification
0: and education. It's, and, it's painfully broken. Painfully broken has been literally since inception. And there is a new director of coaching here. Right. And that's the second echelon is a Williams racing Academy production. WRA world-class coaching and training for cyclists since 1999. WRA represents a passionate community and expert staff that are totally focused on setting you up for success on and off the bike, no matter how big or how small your goals are. Three main things set WRA apart from the rest. First is our service model with Christian at the helm of all WRA training, regardless of your primary coach or service level, the same attention to detail goes into each and every plan. Every WRA training plan is 100% custom and just as unique as the athlete it's built for. Second, all of our coaches are full time and work as a team with Christian, keeping them flexible and available for communication. Finally, WRA is the sole operator of Belgium racing experience. Since starting the program in 2011, our understanding of elite development and the ability to guide athletes into the professional ranks is unparalleled in the United States. Nutrition coaching and off-the-bike strength training are included, and we offer professional bike fitting and one-on-one skills training. All this at extremely competitive pricing, starting at $219 a month through the end of 2022. Lock in your rate before the end of the year and start manifesting your inner apex predator today. Head over to WRA1999.com and check out our services and FAQ page for more information. That's WRA1999.com. Promo code APEX lets us know you know what's up and takes $50 off your first invoice with no commitment. That's code APEX for $50 off your first invoice with no commitment. We look forward to having you in the WRA family. One of the key meetings that we had actually was was on day one we were able to break away from what the group was doing, and we went and yeah so sat this down this wasn't him. just a
1: john so John Tarkington is the new director of coaching and I'm, so when we say we went to a meeting it wasn't we were sitting in a thing while he was speaking, we actually had a, a meeting like a, with yeah. him because i I needed to express some concerns about whether I wanted to continue to be involved officially with being licensed and certified as a coach. i'm not not that i wouldn't coach mm mm-hmm. But why do I pay thousands of dollars for all of all of this when we have some major issues about uh, not not necessarily the content that we receive? But he he literally said the coaching department is, is one of the only or the only one of the only remaining uh, revenue streams for USA Cycling where, where it's profitable. So that's you know I'm I'm saying an, an, a non-profit entity like USA Cycling and I don't feel like I'm getting much from them when I pay for my license other than to get to say to potential clients, I'm a licensed coach, but I've also been around so long. I mean, when you, when you look at, uh, uh, you know, an NFL head football coaches, he licensed from the U S football association type thing. I mean, is it something that you need in order to do the job? And, and I do think there's value in continuing education and having a, uh, at least understanding the vision of coaching education within USA Cycling, to know whether you want to be a part of it or not. And I don't think just opting out because you don't like USA
0: Cycling is necessarily a healthy way to look at this. Well, and to John's credit, he's been in the job 10 months now or so, and uh, he was able to explicitly and directly acknowledge all of these issues and problems that we've experienced throughout. And he recognizes that it's not good for the longevity and and efficacy of the program that he's now in charge of. Now he's got a serious mountain of crap. Right. So this,
1: so so I I liken this to he, he, John Tarkington is the headmaster, the, the principal, the superintendent of a school Yep. and the school got hit by a tornado and then he got, and then he got hired to be the superintendent of that school. That's what's happened with, Almost all of USA Cycling, not just the coaching side. Anyways, I mean, uh, if if you pay attention to the elite level, the you know there there is no national team anymore. They're rebuilding. It's there. There's there's more continuity on the women's side. So don't the
0: the women's side is is actually quite a bit stronger. And track is a little bit. Women's different. track is not at risk at all. That's the only thing that's actually totally yeah, so, fine. so 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 the I, in instance there's there's a, there's a couple layers of things going on here there's
1: coaching education um from from bottom to top and there's also uh how is usa cycling developing coaches to work with the elite level athletes as well because pretty much everybody there wants to work with the elites and and and, and let's let's keep in mind so in the in the level 2 clinic which is Always been in person in the past, though I think it was also virtual this time. I'm not sure I wasn't in that thing, but there was about 20 people in person in the level two clinic and over in the level one side. It also was 20. it was only in person, mm-hmm. and 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 to to kind of wrap your head around it, I realize we're kind of uh, uh, hidden buckshot here of, <laughs> of, of, the, of the topics, but there are about 800 licensed coaches in the U.S. Uh, under USA Cycling rather, and uh, your level one certification was only happening, only happens every other year, and it's in person. And let's kind of keep in mind. And then there were twenty people there. And it's expensive. It's really expensive. So, the, it, it's not something that you can just click online, take the test, that kind of thing. It, it's level three is. Yeah, level three is. And uh, you know, my, my all listeners of this podcast
0: should get their level three coaching license. The second echelon is brought to you by Belgium Racing Experience premier racing camps in Belgium since 2011. We've taken over a hundred athletes to race in Belgium since 2011, nearly 10% of which turned professional in some capacity and 2023 will mark the accumulation of two and a half years worth of racing camps for BRE. The only other American program with stats like that is the national team for summer, 2023, we are offering separate sessions for elite men, 19 and up elite women, 19 and up junior men, 17 and 18 and the bucket list experience in one-week chunks for folks who want to join the BRE action but aren't exclusively focused on racing themselves. Follow along at Belgium Racing on Instagram and check out belgiumracingexperience.com for more details. Spots are filling quickly. Secure yours with a deposit today. You can email me directly at noah at williamsracingacademy.com, contact us through belgiumracingexperience.com, or even DM us on Instagram. We look forward to seeing you in Belgium next summer.
1: I, I agree with that. I mean, when you consider like. You know,
0: if you bother to listen to this podcast, you may as well go see what they're talking about.
1: My ex-wife was. It's going to help us. My ex-wife, who was not a biker. She did race bikes. She did a cyclocross series. It was a five for six race series, one winner, <laughs> while pregnant with my daughter. So this is 20, 21 years ago. Did not train, only showed up for the races. So when I'm saying that she was, she she raced her bike. So she did experience that. Uh, she won a Texas cup by showing up and because sometimes there was own, some one of those races, she was the only one there, like that type thing. Um, my point of saying this is she wasn't really a bike racer. She did do a few bike races, but she wasn't really a bike racer and she got her level three coach. Absolutely. <laughs> license. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Right. So, I mean, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not making fun of the level three. I'm showing you that the low barrier of entry that it is. Sure. And when you say everyone should get that, I believe that I think all parents
0: of juniors should go ahead and get... Sure. No, there's... I mean, if, you, if you're coming from a zero background, there is some some helpful practical advice in there. You don't necessarily need to pay attention to all the exercise physiology stuff from the it, 90s. It's not, it's not going to tell you how to do intervals no, no, and then no, all, all no, of that no. stuff. But some basic coaching stuff. And so to kind of bring it back to the meeting with John, because again, the USA Cycling Coaching, Education, and Development Program, the certifications, their classes, their, their clinics, and, and all this stuff has, has been... Less effective than it could have been for a long time on the component of actually helping coaches develop their businesses and them as professionals. That's not to say that everything is useless. Um, I got to point out that, you know, we, we saw several presentations from Dr. D, Kristen Diefenbach. She's uh, an all-star as far as I'm concerned. I've, been, I've, I've, I've actually had the opportunity of working with her in the past uh, as an athlete through the talent ID program, the national talent ID program. And uh, really cool to see that she's still around and and still kind of making it through this transition because, uh, again, John is really limited on – extremely limited on resources. Can't overstate that enough. And he recognizes he's got a very broken system with a lot of momentum behind it. And virtually everybody in our position is not happy with it. And so we wanted to have this meeting to let him know from our perspective the issues that we were experiencing and to also let him know that we really wanted to help. In any way, shape, or form possible, whether it's create whether it's leading the coaching, education, and development clinics, or whether it's creating content uh, to go within the certification and curriculum, uh, or or something else entirely. And, and funny enough, in that meeting, uh, he was like way more interested in the Belgium racing program because you know even though he's not connected directly to the ODA. I mean, that program was not a success for them this year in any way, shape, or form. Right. And they're trying to figure out how to really make it sustainable. And after the conversation with John, I really, you know, it it feels like they almost copied our model in a sense because they didn't have any money coming in from outside to just right. do it so, on yeah, their own. If it, if I, and, and not that we invented the pay-to-play model, but this is the only way anybody yeah, can do so it
1: So our now. pay-to-play model was because... We want anybody that wants to get better to be able to go over. Yes, I love working with the elites. I love being able to go out and select my team, do team building stuff, then go out there and smash. That's so much fun. That's what a lot of coaches envision that they're going to do. But most of what you're going to do is not that. But what's complicated by this is that the coaching licensing and coaching education arm of USA Cycling is under the high performance side. So the It's under the high-performance arm of USA Cycling. And any money coming into the high-performance arm is like for uh, Worlds developing for Worlds and Olympics. And and that's it. So uh, how much money is actually going to be dedicated to coaching? Because they end up hiring their own coaches for that. And that's one of the things that I said, you've got to change.
0: Issue number two. Issue number one was the curriculum and certification system process from the get-go people were grandfathered in at the top who had no business being at the top and the entire way through i mean i've been through level three two and one now and all of the peers that i talked to at least most of them not everybody's running a private coaching business but those of us who were we were not there to be going through exercise physiology lessons we're all already like writing training plans we're there for networking engagement development to be challenged and for practical business advice because this is not a solid enough industry where you can just kind of willy-nilly how you set up your model yeah, and your pricing. I, I, had, and your- I had
1: a massive issue when they introduced the coaching level system and then so many people were just grandfathered into level one who really didn't right. know how to coach athletes. And pretty much what it was is a bunch of people – who were in the good old boy network, who had been running development camps or taking one of the dozen American teams we take to the b 2 and so they were probably more getting their level one grandfathered in because they'd taken kids to a big race before. And, and what I think and, that is, was it.
0: and what I think is really interesting is that this narrative, the Good Old Boys Club, how do you how do you get your athlete like we're not the only people who have had a long list of athletes who were international caliber and got completely overlooked by track pipeline, road pipeline, you name it. Um, mountain pipeline even to a degree, but mostly track and road because of that good old boys club. the it's it, the same issue that many coaching large established coaching outfits like ours have is bringing on new coaches because quality control is really difficult. And that vetting process is virtually impossible. I would argue that nobody's actually done it in the industry to the level that it should be done. Um, all, everyone else that hire, that has a bazillion coaches, there's issues across the board. Now, they're kind of so big that it doesn't end up being a net negative. But right. overall, everybody could be a lot better at this. And we've got some ideas around that. But the point is, it's really difficult, even for us, we're well-established in the industry, to go out and find a coach that we deem reliable and trustworthy and end-to-end are on board with what they're doing from a training or coaching development strategy whatever perspective and usa cycling has suffered from the same issues the whole time so so much so that the coaches that we have
1: i I brought in in in-house so everybody that's a coach for williams racing academy was a williams racing academy client for several years right because i needed to have that that's the only way that i can know that they know
0: The second echelon is presented by Jackrew. Jackrew has over 20 years of experience manufacturing custom cycling, triathlon, running, and Nordic apparel. Jackrew offers free design, no minimums, and fast delivery. Designers and staff are here in the States and will help you bring your design ideas to life for free. Check out the WRA Jackrew Clothing Store at wra1999.com. We've got hoodies, vests, base layers, long sleeve jerseys, rain jerseys, neck gaiters, and more available now. Or start designing your kit and accessories online today at JackRoo.com. We were JackRoo clients for years before we became partners. The quality, value, speed, and customer service are totally unmatched in the cycling clothing industry. We couldn't be more proud to be in the JackRoo family, and we are hugely grateful for their support of the second echelon Williams Racing Academy, and Belgium Racing Experience. Thank you, Jack Rue. At, at least
1: what, what I want to present out there. That doesn't mean I know everything. That's, I, I, that's why, why we, we come to these things. I do believe that coaches can learn from pretty much anywhere and also any sport. But a lot of people, a lot of, even the, a lot of people who are here, they're thinking you're coming here to learn how to train athletes. And it's really learning how to coach athletes. And hopefully with the second echelon podcast, people have started to pick up that there's a difference between training and coaching. And if you wrap your head around USA cycling isn't so much about training. I mean, USA cycling coaching thing isn't so much about how to train an athlete. It's about how to coach an athlete. And, and that's why I feel like that's why you have 800 people licensed mm-hmm. with that developing coaches that being able to hire or for a potential for an athlete looking for a potential coach. How do you really most of the time you're just vetting them out based upon did, did, did you vibe well with them and do you know somebody that co- they coached who's pretty good.
0: I, 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 that's pretty much all you got right now.
1: And, and with that level one that you have right now, that doesn't tell you anything, even though it's like saying somebody's a Cat 1 on the road and you're like, wow, they must be pretty good. It, but what if somebody could be a Cat 1 on the road that hasn't raced in 15 years and there weren't categories when they got their one? that's the problem a lot of the level 1s
0: out there have and if that. you're listening to this podcast you know how quickly stuff moves in the physiology and coaching world not extremely fast but in 15 years we're in a new place every 15 years somebody
1: we're got, in got new their place. level 1 in 2000 probably hadn't worked with a power meter yet so this, somebody's it, had a level 1 and there's no guarantee that they right
0: yeah that, so so that's that really is issue number 2 is the disconnect between USA Cycling's coaching, education, and development pipeline, and the coaching pipeline, and the the disconnect between the top of that pipeline and the bottom of the high performance program—your national team, your national talent ID, your Olympic dev, your all of those things. Um, and that's been a real point of frustration for a lot of us on this side of the table. And I, I do feel USA Cycling's pain. It's really hard to vet people. You're going to go with who you know. But this all happened so long ago, talking about the good old boys club, basically. And there are even people within USA Cycling. I'm not going to name names at this point. They're all trying to do a good job, as best I can tell. But people within USA Cycling acknowledge that. Yeah. So I, they, I, they said the words good old boys club.
1: So back in 2011 or 12 or whenever it was that I went to the pant, took the, uh, went directed at the Pan Am Games. Uh, I I'd stopped carrying a coaching license. I just, I can't remember how much it was at the time. I was just like, I'm just not getting 200 or 300 dollars value out of doing this and doing all the the certification things, the, the the dance and the walk. I I didn't get anything out of it. I mean, I literally didn't get anything out of it. But then I was asked to direct for that trip, and I said, you know, why wouldn't you say yes? I'll direct the team for the Pan Am Games. Of and, and it was another layer since you were one of the athletes right. selected. So that was fun for me. Um, but so when we started, they're like, okay, they're, you know, getting, setting up my plane tickets and that kind of thing. And they're like, oh, you don't have a coaching license. And said so, and it was some, pretty much somebody just snapped their fingers and I had a coaching license. That's how coaching licenses were happening.
0: It's, I mean, it still is. To I, I, I'd, I'd
1: been coaching for full time for 12 years already. And I'd already had, I mean, I had kids going to worlds and, mm-hmm. and elite athletes going to a uh, world. So, it wasn't, it wasn't that all of a sudden that made me a coach, but somebody behind the scenes was just basically handing out coaching licenses. Yeah. And, and, and to a degree... And that's what John Tarkington is fixing. It is. And, and I have a tremendous amount of respect. I don't really know him well. No. But I, I, I have a tremendous respect for somebody that comes into a dumpster fire. He,
0: he is... He, I. I don't know him very well either, but we've had some private conversations over the course of our time here, and... One thing I can say for sure is that he is wholeheartedly pouring himself into this. I yeah. mean, he was. Running. I don't. I
1: don't know what he's getting paid, but he's he's, he's underpaid. He, he's underpaid for how hard he's working because pretty much there's the only there's a handful of established coaches that are happy with the system, and if they're happy with the system, it's because they benefited, benefited from, from it. the good old boy network. And so, pretty much of those eight hundred licensed coaches, you can say that there's probably seven hundred and ninety. 795 that are at least some degree disenchanted or not outright pissed off. Correct. And that's what he walks into and he's got to manage that. That's his whole world. That's his entire constituency is upset. And, and, and when he sat down with us and it's not like we set up a meeting just to bitch because we kind of had a couple layers of things going on. Cause I have several of, of, I have a handful of athletes who are established internationally, like win and or medal. Uh, and we're trying to figure out why aren't they being invited to the Olympic development camps? Why aren't they being sent to worlds? And it, it took, to the extent that I thought we had some athletes being blackballed. And I wasn't, I couldn't tell if it was a whole bunch of my athletes or was it because they were associated with me or what have you. But what John assured us is like what, what you were just saying just a second ago, some of it is they just had, they had to lean on the people that they knew. It's kind of like the double, cycling, double that you
0: know type thing. USA Cycling leaned on the coaches they knew because they wanted to cover their ass, and vetting's really hard. And the coaches would lean on the athletes they had a knew because vetting's really hard, and they wanted to cover their ass. Yeah, it, it was a it was a difficult process for me because there was six. And it's not to say that we haven't been successful, but oh, in yeah. hindsight, we could have I mean, a we, lot more medals at worlds. Well, like I, you know,
1: as I was saying, from our coaching family, we have medals at worlds and. and Gobs of and, and that kind of thing. So it's not like mm, we're totally blocked out. But the the older I get, the less patience I have with. I know this guy's going to make it. If you give him an opportunity, because right. he's already proving. And and and. And I, then somebody less deserving of an opportunity gets. And it. then it, this was compounded by the fact that there was about six or seven years in a row where I have somebody on the national team or going to worlds, and when they come back, I'm no longer yeah. their coach. And uh, that just and so somebody gets to select our athlete, and then they have them for a month abroad. And so all of a sudden, I'm they they I was a good enough coach to get
0: them to that level. We well, we got to ring a lot of bells this week too, making that Chris Blevins connection because I can't tell you how many posters of him they had on the wall and slides of him and all this. And look, Chris Blevins deserves to be celebrated. Don't get me wrong. Everybody that's helped him, a hundred percent. Like, but. That being said, I mean, coached him and trained and lived with us, took him to Belgium from the time he was fifteen till he was eighteen, a really long span of time, up to the point that he turned professional with a, a combo right. private and USA so he, cycling so he program. Went, yeah,
1: so he went he 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 got onto one of the elite teams that a rider of that caliber is supposed to be on and they they have
0: their mandate that you work with our coach. It's 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 a it's a tricky climate, but that we were able to make that connection with with John and with Jim and with Brendan was, was really powerful for us. Jim Miller, Jim Miller, Jim Miller. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just kind of making some assumptions here, but so the meeting with John wasn't, it went well. We were heard. I have, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. John's working really hard. We'll see what happens. He he left us with, I understand your concerns. I can't
1: give you the solution yet, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you that this is where I am. And and, and I, I don't mean to be intentionally vague, but, that's the status of things right now. That is the status. That he understands the problem, and he has a, a screwdriver without a handle and a hammer with the uh, – <laughs> and that's all he has to work with at the moment. And I, I think he's going to make a difference. Is it going to be enough of the difference where I'm uh, wearing my USA Cycling polo and,
0: and that kind of thing? I hope so. I want to be. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, so we had a good meeting with John, and then – We met Connor. Connor, yeah, that was really cool. So that was actually um, fast-forwarding a little bit to uh, day three. Uh yeah, we, had a, we had a we had a we had a big concussion presentation, um, which neither here nor there. Concussions are bad. Don't fuck with them. Uh, pay attention to the protocol. It's not really much else to it. But they brought I, we, in.
1: Yeah, uh, we 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 have to go through concussion uh, training on the various certifications that we hold with a regular basis. So when it's the third or fourth time you've heard it that year. It's not. Not new. When you but don't when you don't want to go, it's not because you don't think concussions are bad. <laughs> right. But what
2: was cool is they brought in Connor Fields. Get 20% off your Mode C B D order with code Echelon20. Mode CBD is a family owned, American grown, American made CBD tincture, topical roll on gummies, and more. At their own food-grade lab facility in Florida, Mode CBD creates a proprietary nano-CBD molecule that's one millionth of its original size, enabling the fastest and most complete CBD absorption on the market. I've personally used a myriad of different CBD products from as many different brands, and Mode CBD is by far and away the highest quality and most effective CBD I have ever tried. If you need relief from occasional chronic soreness, sleeplessness, anxiety. Try Mode CBD out today and use code ECHELON20 to get 20% off of your order. That's code ECHELON20. All one word at checkout for 20% off all Mode CBD.
0: Connor Fields, BMX World Champion, Olympic Gold Medalist, Pan Am Games Gold Medalist. And, and he came. And he looks he, like Captain America. He does. I mean, he, he, looks, he, he is your standard issue Olympic Gold Medalist.
1: <laughs> Blonde, clean yeah.
0: cut. Big massive square jaw, big old white smile. And Jack. Oh man. And he and, and he I have a crush on him. He, I have a crush on him. He gave a whole I don't know, it was like twenty minutes. And we he, we hadn't met him before. We so. hadn't met him before. And he gave like a whole 20 minutes uh story, discussion, with interruptions and technical difficulties and questions and stuff like that. And he didn't say um or and or ah once. Was, it was kinda impressive. I was like, man um so anyway he was milling around a little bit after and, and we got to chit chat for a little bit i got a picture with him and, and honestly it was not really like a particularly productive industry moment or anything but mostly just got to fanboy oh yeah I,
1: we get to fanboy too. hang out with an yeah, olympic gold medalist but that, that one stood out to me just because uh i mean i Super I, I, nice I was guy. certainly aware of him as an athlete how can you not be paying no attention? elizabeth
0: and i got to watch him on tv from our, right. our honeymoon and so
1: to be able to just meet him and have a normal conversation i mean i'd in the bathroom, I got to talk to him about when I raced BMX, and he was asking valid questions. He knew riders who I raced together. It was really it was cool. really cool.
0: He's super down. We earth. weren't
1: literally standing next to each other in the urinal for that conversation. <laughs> we just were. Anyway, yeah. But so, so, and so of that course, we good. did the, and we did the, the networking that is supposed to happen at this thing. We, uh, we got to, uh, visit with folks that we know. And, you know, the, the last time that we were together with a lot of these coaches in person was seven, 2017. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you know, we've got, just to, because we're going to talk about our, our next meeting yeah. now, but there's three main issues that we came here to better understand and help USA Cycling try to solve uh, with what experience we have to bring and offer. Number one was the coaching, education, and development system unto itself. That's That ball's in John's court. Uh, the second component was how do high-performance coaches like us and other people who are well-qualified get into working with the National Talent ID Uh, national team and Olympic development um, stuff. I mean, we've been in and out of it, but it's never been a consistent thing the way that some of the good old boys club had. And so now that we're in this phase of shifting around and trying to create a better, uh, more transparency and a better collaboration between the federation coaches and the private coaches and trying to kind of share value there uh, that's, a big component because for me personally, it's a career goal to at DS for the national team, at least once if ideally on an ongoing basis. So what I want the listener to understand is like,
1: it. But there's what what I've done. There's what I've done. So I I know that I'm capable of that level so much so that I do it privately and on my own. And in terms of like taking people internationally and directing at races and coaching the riders that they're capable of competing at that level. But, and then there's you. You've been on three national team trips, uh, done a couple, at least, national talent ID camps. You've done – you're a level one coach on the USA Cycling thing, a uh, cat one on the road. At the, you've been a cat one on the road. So there's – and you've won in Europe, and you've been in races where USA Cycling, the national team, won. So you contributed. So if if, if there – and you lived in the Isaham house when it was the national team house. You lived in the Sittard house. There, there's probably not anybody in – that's in your age bracket, something like 20 to 35 years old, that's more qualified. Probably not. And and, and that's not to say that I should be the only guy. No, no, I no. I just want to be on the... Ha, 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 you don't even get a chance to interview. And that's one, of the, that's one
0: of the things that I went to Jim Miller. I had two reasons why I went to Jim Miller. And, and I, th- this is the final component, right? The number one was coaching, education, and development. Number two is understanding how USA cycling actually selects their coaches to be in this program. And then number three was what about our athletes that keep getting passed over? Right. So for for instance,
1: I have I coach Ian Anderson. And it, and if you're not aware who Ian Anderson is, he's only won like five
0: national titles in the last two years.
1: Right. So and he was the pursuit national champion, the elite national pursuit champion. He won the collegiate pursuit national championships, among other national championships. And you might be saying collegiate eh, that's whatever. He uh set multiple track records. Right, right, and and and, uh, and 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 besides, he's the elite national champion, and he's not going to worlds. Now, I fully recognize that Ian is still relatively new to the track, but that's also more the reason why you would include somebody. If two thousand twenty, so the whole big everything in USA Cycling right now is two
0: thousand twenty eight Olympics because it's it's in LA. They said, "Quote from the CEO." I'm not making that up. No, no. Quote from the CEO: We care about twenty four were obsessed with 28. So if you have a collegiate rider. Olympics. If you have a collegiate rider and you
1: are heavily focused on track because that's one of the most controllable ways to get medals. And, and USA Cycling is 60% saying, of all of the high performance funding goes to track. And the reason that they do that is a lot like British Cycling is that is where it's the most controllable. And where it's the most controllable, you have the most say in what you can achieve. It's like swimming. There's the most medals on offer. Right. And so. And USA Cycling, admittedly, says it is part of the thing.
0: Is we're all about meddling at the Olymp- at the Olympics, and they have to be because, according to the CEO Brendan Quirk, McQuirk, Brendan Quirk, whatever he, uh, you know, and this is this isn't really news, but just to share with our listeners, most of USA Cycling's funding comes from the U.S. Olympic Committee, and the U.S. Olympic Committee cares about medals at. You Olympics. want more money, get more medals. Get more medals, and it makes a lot of sense that the pressure is seriously on for performance at
1: 28. Right. So I, we have Ian Anderson, and I'm going to say his name a few more times, uh, who wins elite pursuit, a track event, also wins the collegiate. And the reason I'm saying a collegiate, uh, to, to stress that he wins that one as well, is because when we're talking about 2028, where are your prime years and age of as an athlete? Well, if you're you know 21 years old or so, Uh, Right now, in six years, you're going to be approaching that prime. And this is somebody who's only been on the track a limited number of times, and he's already so he is. Oh, and he's won in Europe. Oh, and he's doing this with the aerodynamics of a Wrangler strapped to the top of a FedEx truck. He is on a an elite track team, and I was I was sort of hands off in terms of the directing side of things. I'm not even at those races; was with them, but we have gobs of room to improve there with. With uh, in terms of his positioning as aerodynamics, but that's just it. He's already then, and, and it's the same thing with Spencer Segerbrook, who's you know he was technically
0: he's, stronger. In fact, he's been
1: second and third in the last two nationals. He's he's got a better position at he's track, nationals. more more right elite and,
0: track nationals,
1: and and neither one of them are going to worlds. And people that they beat are, Seven, and so this is
0: why I went to Jim Miller, not, and, I, and not just fourth and fifth place. We're talking guys in seventh and eighth at this event got pulled into the track programming and sent to worlds so what i did is
1: uh and I, and we no have no offense to those athletes right and and we have and you know we have Payson, and 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 we have a handful of other guys that are uh international level but maybe not going to worlds level yet and so what i wanted to do is i wanted to talk with jim and not be one of the coaches who's like why didn't you take my guy because that's everybody because that's everybody but i wanted to say what what more are we looking for? Because I'm going to coach that into my riders. What what other things do you need to see? And so I had a, a wonderful conversation to the extent that we Jim
0: Miller. Like, I just want to point out, for those of you who, who aren't aware, John Tarkington's the new head of coaching education and development. Jim Miller uh, has been around for a long time, widely regarded as one of the best coaches in the States, and is Pretty sure the head of USA Cycling High Development, uh, High Performance. That's what he is. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's his job. Um, so. so he he literally oversees all of National Talent ID, all of the Olympic stuff, and all, all. of the national team stuff. Yeah. So everything uh, involving
1: Worlds and and all that kind of thing. And so now, and so the best thing that happened on this week, in terms of my elite level athletes, is that we have an open channel now, and I'm not just on the fringe. For instance, uh, 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 this this example makes me angry, so I'm sure my voice is going to change a little bit here, but uh, can you remember off the top of your head what year was the Chula Vista camp? Would have been 2012 or 13. So in that time frame, there was a National Talent ID camp, and there were 30 riders there, and I coached 18 of them. It was 2012. I coached eighteen of them, and I didn't even get an email from anybody—not a phone call,
0: not a nothing—asking about anything of those athletes. And we converted three of the ones that we weren't already coaching. It was a uh, yeah, it was. I mean, like half our team was there. It was really weird and cool, but at the same time, it's. But been- you would think that
1: if 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 you have a national governing body. Developing their national team for international worlds and that kind of thing, and you would even if I only had one, that somebody
0: would have said, "Let's talk about." Given how much they've favored other development teams in the past, like Hot Tubes and Lux, and we've had athletes on Hot Tubes and Lux, but still, you know, it's it's this weird, it's a it's it's a really weird, over politicized, very much who you know, less about performance, and I'm hoping to see that. That's I want to believe that that the people in charge now are starting to move in that direction. And now that we have uh, an open channel of communication with Jim Miller, an ongoing conversation that could start to shift the tide a little bit. And I don't, I really don't mean just for us. I mean, USA Cycling has a goal to get 12 medals uh, at at the Olympics in 28. And if we don't fix this coaching problem, if we don't fix this athlete talent identification problem, we're gonna fall short of that goal. The, and, 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 and people are gonna get fired.
2: Yellow Rose Cycling Wheels. Longtime WRA family member Oscar Salazar couldn't find what he was looking for from any major wheel manufacturers. So he acquired and combined the best wheel building tools, equipment, components, and techniques into his meticulous and passionate process. The end result is a beautiful, one-of-a-kind, let-your-dreams-run-wild-exactly-as-you-like-it yellow-rose-wheel set. Spec yours and start the build process today at YRCwheels.com. That's YRCwheels.com. Once you go custom hand-built wheels, there's no going back. And Oscar with yellow-rose cycling wheels makes that switch fun and easy without wrecking your wallet.
1: And then part of it is because the incestuous nature that it's been of you know, the same handful of guys just, and and not that they couldn't do the job, but when you, people are more interested in protecting their little gig with Inside USA Cycling than they are actually bringing in necessarily the best athletes. And then, and then these coaches and directors that are getting the things are, they get your athlete for a month. And they're like, well, if you want to keep coming to these, you probably ought to work with somebody that's over here. You're like, do you want to work with a coach? that's not even me. And and it's just so it just, but at this point right now, and, and, and not that, not that it, matters to you the listener but we're we're when you said you know we're a large cycling i think we have a larger cycling presence than our actual size because i you know we only have three other coaches besides me and, and uh so i would say that we're sort of a mid sized coaching business but we punch above our weight yeah no, that's right, fair. Right? Um, and I've been disenchanted with USA Cycling so much that that's why we created our own Belgian program, because I was tired of seeing athletes not get to race in Europe because they didn't get an invite that, des- that deserved
0: that. And then that's morphed into everybody gets better in Belgium. And then the hilarious irony of the very strong possibility of USA cycling licensing our program in the future. Right. And then then that was a conversation. I'm surprised you said that in this, but uh, yeah, so we're, uh, I'm, I'm, this is the best. It's not secrets. Right. And this is, I believe this on the coaching education and on our Belgium thing, we have a lot of value and a lot of expertise in both of these areas. And if USA cycling is going to continue to put out a subpar product and we put out a better one, we'll see what happens. (laughs) The national team stopped, and we didn't. And they said that they they, they
1: said, acknowledged that they said that. that. <laughs> so, well, so I so and I'm not ragging on them again. There's a bunch for, of people for, in for charge no, now that
0: weren't responsible for the issues that are currently. No, nobody pays
1: our way here. I mean, the, no. we can't. Well, yeah, the business paid way. but that's that's us. So we are we're, we're thousands of dollars into this week, and I know for some people, thousands of dollars is play money.
0: It's not for but us. It's, it's
1: us. I mean that, that that take it's a it's a hit, but. I, I really looked at this like I don't have durace on any of my bikes. I have 105 and Altegra on mine. Yeah, yeah, and and so well part of that. So I'm cheap. I got 105 and Altegra. I'm not as cheap. <laughs> so, uh, but I, my 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 point of bringing up thousands of dollars just to be here this week, and I'm not leaving with anything tangible. Uh, well, I got some stickers. I mean, I, so so my I guess I without being cynical about this
0: that USA I, Cycling delivered
1: this is the best I felt about USA Cycling and the coaching development and the elite development that that I have my entire since nineteen ninety well since before nineteen ninety nine because my experience my own experience with the national team as as a rider um, the problems that I had with it were more to do with nineteen year old me than, really? than 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 the program itself yeah, because totally. because the riders that were I was, it, it, my peer group all did just fine, and all have the autobiographies. But they also all have doping suspensions. Yeah. So. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> six one way, half dozen the <laughs> other, <laughs> and I'm clean. So so the uh, I, I'm I'm encouraged. Uh, I'm hopeful. Who else did we talk to? Uh,
0: well, Joe and Jim Brian Jim were some of my favorite. Joe and Brian. Well, we knew them <clears throat> already. So yeah. But no, it was really good to to really cement that relationship. They're in a big, great spot right now. They big wheel coaching in California, big wheel coaching in California. Um, you know, Brian used to race with elevate it, You know, if you uh, listeners of the podcast will know that we've had a good relationship with the elevate program for a long time, both the professional iteration and the current amateur iteration. Um, you know, there's an episode back there somewhere with John McAllister, the yeah. you know, owner of, of that team. So it was cool to kind of bring that relationship full circle and they were, uh, Super engaged. It's cool, actually, because Joy started Big Wheel in 2010, and then told Brian that she needed to work for him in 2015. <laughs> All right, um, so they're so they're, they've been they've been growing and doing well.
1: Uh, we spent some time with um, Joe Holmes, who's who's directed for the national team a little bit. I think he had the Juniors of so Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he coached Logan Owen and
0: um, um, Kaya. Kaya, she was one of the uh, speakers. Yeah, they had this really cool presentation on uh, on women's racing about the Tour de France Femmes in, in particular, and they had three women up there. One was Joanne. I'm going to mess up her last name, but she's a director for Human Powered Health. And then there was also Kristen Faulkner. Yeah, she talked to us about our Belgian program. She did. It was, it was it really was cool. cool. And then Kyle was up there. And, uh, you know, they were they were talking about just various things to do with women's professional racing and Tour de France Femmes. And then I... Uh, Managed to get a, a question from the crowd in about to Joanne, the direct a world tour women's team director about, you know, what they look for because they've got budget, right? They're paying their athletes and they've got resumes just coming in left, right and center. And so I asked her, I was like, hey, what do you look for in athletes? You know, what sets them apart and, and tells you that they're ready for a paycheck, that they're ready for a step up to the next level? Because. You know, we had two great examples up there. Kaya, a junior world track champion, not going to have to work real hard to get a conversation with a pro team. Kristen Faulkner, also up there, didn't start riding until she was 22. Yeah. How do you differentiate living yourself? in New York City? Living in New York City, no less, uh, with a full time job. And Joanne, she won <laughs> I mean, a couple stages in the sort of French family. Two, yeah, yeah two yeah. stages, yeah. So, heavy hitter for sure. Uh, and, and Joanne was like, um, Mostly you just need to get to Belgium I mean, and 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 get some experience there. It was pretty funny because I It was right down we were giggling to each other. I mean, it, it must have looked kind of weird, but she, she she it looked like we were laughing that she said you should be in Belgium if you want to be a pro. But they they bobbled on for like 10 minutes about how great Belgium was. I'm I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure this was all online as well. There was it was a yeah, there again, was a, there virtual, was a component. virtual component, yeah. so I'm hoping that somebody has this she didn't want to question you, but at,
1: at, at any rate, uh, so that was super healthy. The that. A
0: world tour women's director saying front and center: if you want to set yourself apart as a, a domestic or aspiring professional, you need to just make a little bit of a sacrifice and get yourself to Belgium. These were her words: you need to make. She, she wanted to see some type of. Personal investment and sacrifice. She was
1: less concerned about what you did at a, a, a low a, a, a national level USA race. She didn't beca- really care about results. because she's a world tour director. You're going to have to ultimately do well in Europe, and it's not just about showing up and doing well in a race. You've got to be able to function over there. Mm-hmm. And she goes, and that's an immersion, pro-, you know. And right now, there's not very many of those. There's not, and so a- and we can count on two or three fingers,
0: right? And so their their presentation wrapped up, and I rolled up there they were kind of hanging around and we got to chatting a little bit more and turns out they're basing right down the street from where we are and so it sounds like we're going to be able to maybe do a a dinner or a ride or something like that especially since we're we're actually bringing elite women over uh for the first time in a long time and, and we're looking to expand that program and really make it sustainable uh long term because it's it there's a there's a huge need for it right now and in many respects if Going to Belgium as a, 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 a boy um, is the most direct route to getting into the continental and professional ranks. That total pipeline is way shorter on the women's side of things. You really just got to get over there and figure out how to tread water and go from surviving to thriving. And if you can thrive in Belgium in the elite Kermesses as a, as a, as a woman, you're straight out of a world tour team director's mouth. You're, you're going to have eyeballs on you. From the World Tour. Yeah. you need, I, I really want American race, U.S.
1: racers, U.S. based racers to unwrap their heads around whatever the big event you think is the don't. Not even necessarily nationals, uh, not even nationals, because we're having people win nationals and not get invites over. Mm-hmm. So you need to start wrapping your head around if you want to race in Europe, be that kind of pro. You're not going to do it by you, – you're going to develop in the U.S., but you're not going to capital D develop until you go abroad because just winning everything in the U.S. doesn't mean you're going to do okay over there. There's a literal and figurative ocean of difference. And then I'm going to come back to I, – I, it doesn't fit into this exact niche, but – uh, not niche. It doesn't fit in this uh, exact window of what we're talking about here. But please, even if you think you're a good bike handler, continue working on bike handling. Never stop. It it is such a vast difference at the elite level compared yeah. to where we are. Um, I,
0: I, yeah, I, uh, uh, I totally Before, agree. because I would
1: just want this to be recorded. One of my favorite people in the whole coaching realm was Kristen. She's now at Source Endurance. Uh, yeah, I had Arnold. Uh, I love, I love talking with her. Uh, she's super sharp. Uh, we talked with some of the other, uh, uh, several of the Source Endurance coaches were yep. doing
0: their level one. Yep. There and, was several CTS coaches there, yeah. and, and oh, letting... that was funny. Oh, I wish I could remember his name. Um, but he used to be one of the directors well, of high performance. So it was kind of USA funny. Cycling. So the
1: USA cycling, a former director of the higher performance was there getting his level one. So that's kind of how messed up this level Everybody's system so has been. But the former director of USA high performance at USA cycling
0: was there getting his level one. this time. Yeah. No. And I mean, talk about Joe Holmes, talk about John Heidemann, talk about there were a couple more than a handful of this coaching, good old boys club. Not that everybody was, um, liable for creating it but participants in it that are now kind of cut out and and have the same gripes that we do all of a sudden and so it really just kind of highlights that this isn't working well for anybody yeah some of these guys are going how did we lose our jobs right we don't yeah yeah and and i mean to like not i I look at joe holmes as a peer personally but to his credit i mean he's he's more my age but he's he's, we're doing the same things. we're doing the same things, but he's worked with Several high-level athletes coached and trained them directly one-on-one who have been very good in a variety of disciplines. And he's gotten a lot of consistent USA Cycling work, but he also consistently gets cut out of certain conversations for no good reason. And it just it just doesn't make any sense. He, wait, when, you say, when you say no good reason, if, if, if somebody,
1: no reason if somebody screws up, you're like, oh, well, that, well, that did it. And like, what's the obvious screw-up for you to lose your gig? Yeah. most of the time when you let go you you either messed up or it was a funding issue now everybody lost their job on the funding issue but the, well, that's not what we're talking about we're not talking about because there's not a national team somebody like joe's not working like he, he doesn't know why he's not coming back the, the next time i mean he'll i mean he took the juniors to world right. tie, but that was more of a case of how the usa cycle is in such disarray that there was he was already in europe and so they're like hey can you take the Right. Kids to worlds. That shouldn't be how we're doing world championships. It really should. not. That I'm not saying that it shouldn't be Joe, but that's not – if he would have been in Seattle, he wouldn't have got the job. That's not how this should work. Right.
0: Right. Totally
1: agree. Um, Any, anyway, let's so, – So fundamentally um, – I don't believe at all that this is going to be a 20-minute
0: episode. It's – nope. It's going to be a regular one. <laughs> <laughs> but, um and I'm trying to remember what else um, from day two. Made some really, I mean, just some good connections, a lot of The networking of super it, it, yeah. so and, I want to shout out to Carson Kristen. Really cool guy. I wish I could remember the name of his his business. Uh, but he, a, he was, uh, so he was a physiologist for Israel, Israel. Cycling, Cycling yeah.
1: Academy before it became… Startup
0: Nation. Yeah, I think, yeah. Or mm-hmm. whatever. He's super sharp on the sports science mm-hmm. side thing. That was fun. That was cool. He was uh, actually based in Germany uh, up until just a few months ago, mm-hmm. um, but uh, definitely classic Midwest American. I liked him a lot. Really sharp guy. And then uh, also got to meet Charlotte Backus. That was cool. Been watching her on some of those lift races for a she's, while. She's, she's, she's a Spencer's teammate. teammate.
1: Yeah. She's, so Spencer Segerbrook who's on, I can't remember the name of the team, uh, but they're on one of those
0: elite. The uh, Swift things, yeah, uh, um, the esports, esports thank you. Um, <laughs> so that was cool, and I think uh, you know she might be joining us in Belgium next year. We had so exciting. many
1: super healthy, fun uh, conversations with coaches that uh, I'm I'm embarrassed that we're not going to remember some of the names, or we're, we're going to miss some people here that actually had the matter to us. Uh, Kyle from White Pine, we had, yeah, that was had, great. I great. Sitting, Vincent, yeah, yeah. So um, good to see Rob Donovan again. Yeah. Right, and one of the uh, I was pleased to see how many junior centric club type a lot of junior centric clubs clubs that have like 250 juniors, mm-hmm. kind of Nika style stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was another one that was presented. They're all mountain or track. Yeah, and it was it was super. Th- yeah, there wasn't a single road one there. Not a single one. And road. And, I, and and for these junior, when they call them junior elite or junior elite development or whatever, and it. You're going to have if if you want your athletes to be in the pipeline, you're going to have to be involved with this coaching thing, even if it's not perfect. Yeah, Uh, it's 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 really hard to crack it when you're
0: in it, let alone if you don't show up.
2: The Second Echelon podcast is also sponsored by Element, everything you need and nothing you don't in an electrolyte drink. Element has 1,000 mg of sodium, 200 mg of potassium, and 60 mg of magnesium in every satchel. The single-serving satchels make it easy to take with you on the go, like at work, traveling, or on your ultra-endurance adventures. Knowing that you need 3-7 to 7 grams of sodium on a daily basis, especially as an athlete, Element makes it tasty and easy to stay on top of your hydration, without any junk fillers. Get your value bundle of delicious drinking salt today at drinklmnt.com. That's drinklmnt.com. And follow at Williams Racing Academy on Instagram for Element Giveaways.
1: You you cannot just rely
0: that your athletes are going to get a medal and then they're going to get a ride. Not at all. Not at all. But – I was also really excited about how many of these coaches we talked to about Belgium racing, how many were just their eyes lit up and the light bulbs were going off about, oh yeah, I've got a couple athletes that you know would I think be great candidates to come over. And what oh, then one of the I'm sorry, one of the one of the best things I was able to do is like uh, we've run I've run into
1: the problem since 2010, 2011, whatever we started taking groups over to Belgium was was that coaches didn't necessarily want to let their athletes go with us because they don't want to potentially lose their athletes because these are athletes that are doing well enough that they can compete internationally. And they don't – just like I didn't like losing my athletes, they go on a world trip and not, they come back and I'm not their coach anymore. Right. And I'm like – and so what? it was nice to have face-to-face conversations with coaches that say, let's l- – listen, I'm not going to poach your athlete. We're going to communicate while that athlete is with me. And – with us, rather, in Belgium. Not, I'm going to take them and then send them back. We're going to communicate because that you're the one that has the connection. They're living with me for that month or two months or three months. But they don't months. know who we are. They, but now we can have that relationship. And I want to establish those relationships with coaches months before we leave. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page with this athlete. That's going to help me know the athlete, help us know the athlete better. And that athlete's going to do better because of that. A hundred percent. This collaboration thing... The, we've never considered ourselves competition with other coaches there. Are, what did you figure out? It's almost like there's 187, 100. Per yeah. Coach. So almost 200. assuming that all 800 coaches are, it, yeah. So there's 800 licensed coaches and there's however many, 60, 70,000 licensed athletes. Like it was, yeah, it was a lot. I it's still a lot, even it, though it's it now. would be like our coaching business having, uh, 16 like a a thousand athletes yeah i mean (laughs) like there's there's there there there, there's for four coaches right and there's plenty there's plenty to work with there's and, and and i also believe that we have four coaches and i i don't necessarily there are some athletes where there's some other coach outside of our business that might be the best coach for them sure and right now that's all, that's what I want. I want the level of bike racing to go up in the U.S. And one of the ways that I can manifest that is by taking people to Europe. I want the level of coaching to go up a lot more, a lot more in um, a hurry. In a hurry, and I'm willing to share some of our secret sauce yeah. uh, to do that because if the level of coaching and I'm and I'm not saying we're the best coach. We we are the best coaches for some athletes, but. If we can help other coaches be better at the coaching business side of things, at the coaching interaction type of things, and even maybe the training side of things, then their athletes also improve. And then when their athletes improve, bike racing improves. And when the bike racing improves, we all have to go up a level. Just the same thing as the category system of racing and then eventually racing in Europe, and then you get smashed and you get better and you get smashed and you get better until the point where
0: there's no other higher level to go. And then it's about winning internationally. Yeah, And one of the biggest impacts from Belgium is when the athletes come home and demonstrate and share that experience with their peers. We talked about it the, in the last podcast. Right, about, yeah. right. And and moreover, I think we've got an opportunity here to distribute that even further to the coaches, because if we can start getting more coaches whose athletes have racing experience in Belgium, the level of coach is going to go up too. the understanding of what, where we need to be as athletes and as as uh, you know organizations in order to compete well internationally in Belgium, uh, in Italy and these other European countries where <clears throat> cycling is a lot more uh, deeply rooted in the culture than than ours, and that's, you know, from a from a business perspective if we poach all the athletes that come to us, we're not going to have sustainable pipelines of, of athletes right, coming in. And number oh, two, that was the main thing I wanted you to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there we, if, if, if
1: I, t- if I steal an athlete from a coach,
0: they're no longer going to send athletes to Europe with us. That's bad business. It's like burning out a junior. Um, and, and the second component is this, it's like, yeah, we've got this Belgium thing, but we don't have Belgium. The It's a country. You can, you can just go and do it You're, by yourself. Probably not. It's going to be a lot more expensive and difficult and stressful. You're going to have some expensive lessons and growing pains. And your performance is going to suffer. Your, your, your learning curve is going to be much, much longer and more difficult than if you go with an established program like ours. But the point is that this is an opportunity for to solve that issue number two of how do coaches differentiate themselves and, and get them into a position where they are strong candidates for olympic and and uh, national team type stuff well if you're able to send three or four athletes with us that are successful and we can highlight your coaching business as being responsible for those performances well now we can start to raise the level it's it it shouldn't be just us and a handful of others we should have lots of u.s coaches i don't i don't want people to skip over that i mean because we're almost an hour in Well, we're talking about
1: and with regards to like us taking athletes over to belgium if your athlete is doing anything over there, we want to showcase that you have athletes in Belgium. We are a coaching entity, but in, but we're going to celebrate and, uh, highlight, highlight, elevate. I mean, what like what you're, you're, you as a coach, if you have athletes going over there, it's a collaboration. That's, that's where this has to go. There's no one person. Jim Miller is not going to introduce a junior. At 10 years old, and and then train them all the way up to to the France winning. It's going to take other coaches, and we can't hit everybody. We need other coaches to help us take athletes over, and as people who have been shut out of helping their athletes at the elite level, I'm correcting that by saying I want to work with other coaches who are willing to send their athletes
0: if they can't take them themselves. And our price for the service we provide through Belgium racing reflects our cost. It's not like USA Cycling where you're paying six times what you need to be just to be in some national team adjacent kit. Right, right. It's really sad. Um, And it's just not cool when you're offering coaching for $10,000 a semester – and That's right. It was a With a room full of, of fucking coaches. I don't know. Excuse me. Whatever it like, was.
1: Whatever. You know, even still. Regardless. If you computer, pay eleven thousand dollars to be on a team, and then you got to
0: pay your own flight. It's silly, uh, and for your own kids. But at any rate, point being. We're on bike. We want to open this up. We need. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> <laughs> we we want to we want to bring athletes from, from it's, other it's coaches. Less, we can't fill all yeah. our spots. We we're not trying to take your athletes. That would negate a, a long term. We're trying to take pipeline. your athletes to Belgium, not take your athletes from you. And Then
1: we want to send them back to you, and then we want you to keep making them better, and then send them back with us because now we got athletes even Get better. better
0: at setting your athletes up for
1: Belgium. That's why that we that's why we call the program Belgian Racing Experience and not Williams Racing Academy.
0: It's a separate thing. It's a separate thing. The the bank accounts are separate. Like it's it's totally separate. Um, and, and this is, I mean, we, we weren't even, we, we've been taking athletes <clears throat> that we haven't worked with for a while now, but with the recognition from multiple people high up within USA Cycling that this is really unique and powerful um, and really their encouragement in many ways uh, is, is uh, we're taking that as encouragement to open this up and really try to collaborate more with the coaches not only that we're there in the room but anybody who works with a junior or u23 um, and or, or a u23 woman as well uh, and, and coaches individuals regardless'' we're, we're, it's about the racing experience the opportunity it's not about our it's not about our coaching business at all yes we have athletes that we coach there but it's not all of them And the point is is that if we can get more athletes with Belgian racing experience, it's going to elevate the level back home. If we can get more coaches who have athletes with Belgian racing experience, we're going to raise the level of coaches. And maybe, just maybe, we can create an actual pipeline that is completely independent of USA Cycling's funding and political issues. Right. And and, and, and for elite development, an important... And it sounds like at the phase that USA Cycling's in, they might be
1: grateful for that. Right now, what's super important to me, uh, I, I, what I want to get is as many athletes over there as we can, and then they continue to improve. And what I want to have is I want to start having athletes over there that are competing at a level that when USA Cycling needs a rider, that we can just start doing the – athlete share <laughs> right uh, you know th- th- maybe they have an athlete that's there for a couple months and has been sick and shouldn't go to the next uci race but maybe they come to us with uh, so they send them to us for to do a, a, a week of kermesses just to kind of get their legs back on them that kind of thing i'm not saying that specifically but that kind of thing at the same time if that rider couldn't fill it we had one who's ready to who's healthy and will benefit from well, probably they might get their butts kicked but they'll benefit from having to be there, and they'll come back, they'll be better, and they'll, the next time they get to go, they'll be even better. Those are the types of things that we're looking at, uh, where we've established, and are going to further establish and and, and develop and, and grow with our connection to USA Cycling. That's my attempt. That's why we're here. Uh, we'll we'll see how it develops. But the when you see USA Cycling with its ups and downs and no national team, whether well, it's a national team, well, now we have a women's track team, but we don't have a men's track team and that kind of thing. Um, we're consistent. Uh, we're going to, you know, the only year that we missed was a COVID year. Um uh, and, and so I'm, and, and, and our coaching arm grew.
0: Yeah. Quite a <laughs> when there were no bike races, we grew. So, uh, we got to go catch a plane. We do. We're running out of time here and, uh, I'm sure we missed something. Uh, if, uh, any of the coaches that were with us at the summit have listened this far, uh, it was really great to meet you. Hope to hear from you again soon. Please reach out to us. Um, we'd be glad to hear from you and uh, yeah other than that we will be back with you guys on the next episode we love you very much we love you guys ciao